I point out the car to my dad. I'm like, Dad, Dad, look, Ferrari, Porsche. And what does he do as a job? He's an accountant. <laughs> uh -huh. And I think deep down in all of us, there is a child who wants to make mom and dad happy. Yeah, of course. And it's deeper than what am I good at? What should I do for a living? It's like, why do I live? Mm -hmm. Allah created everybody differently. There's a moment where you identify that you have some specific gift Allah gave you. And then the next question, how can I use this for Allah's sake? Welcome back, Assalamu alaikum, to the Roots podcast. You can notice that we've got a very similar setup here because we just finished recording the first one and we're on to the second one, but we have an extra human. Um, so again, we're your hosts, Hamza bin Majid. Um, I'm a fourth year medical student at the University of Manchester and we have Ustad Hisham. Hisham Abu Yusuf, uh, one of the directors at Roots Academy and instructors and good friend to the boys here. And who is this friend? Assalamu alaikum. Um, my name is Mujtaba. Um, inshallah, soon to be a final year student um, in accounting, studying at the University of Manchester. Mm. So, yeah. How sad, That's accounting. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> Let him off. He's on, the, he's on the list, you know, like medic, medicine, engineering, accountancy, law. He's on the list. So That is a touchy topic. Sorry. That is a touchy topic for Mujtaba. We'll, we'll discuss that in a We'll get to that. But, Mujtaba, what are we here to talk about? So, I think today is majority of the like topic will be around kind of choosing your degree, uh, kind of the path which we take as mm -hmm. students. Um, myself, I've taken obviously um, maybe a different path compared to some other students where I've like done a obviously normal degree, but I've also with a placement placement year. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to be exploring kind mm -hmm. of my experiences there, mm -hmm. and then also I think moving on to some advice from Mustad Sham. Um, about uh, fulfillment and purpose and maybe how we can link career and like maybe our university goals with mm. our purpose and how we can make that as fulfilling as mm. possible. And without bigging yourself up too much, why do you think you've decided to talk about this particular topic with us? What, what do you think about your experiences makes you um, a good person to talk about this with? Yeah, so I think in terms of like a, a university degree, obviously you got your standard three years of study, but because I've done that placement year, I think it just adds like that extra element of maybe being within the workplace, understanding certain aspects, which may not be taught at uni and also explored at uni. Um, yeah, I think that's. Mm. Awesome. And we, my mindset was with the first podcast, we're going to talk about logistics and this and that and what to do here and what to do there. But it turned into a lot of, this is the core of everything. And I think that's what this episode is going to turn yeah. into very quickly yeah. as well. Yeah. So Mushtaba, you've discussed um, kind of you're doing an accounting degree. Yeah. You had a year in industry. Mm. Um, so you've kind of had the experience with working. Um, and then you also said we're going to be discussing kind of Purpose, identity, career, what it all means. And you know what, let's, shall we just go straight into that? Let's yeah, do so it. Like, where did, I think, you know, the, the thing to ask, it's like, what's the story? Mm. How did we get here? How, do we get how here? did you get into accountancy? Like, where did that come from? I think people have various, mm. we're going to turn the, flip the question around shortly. Mm. So. I think, <laughs> I start with like, it's a bit of a funny story, actually. So I'm from a small town. Uh, it's a city, actually. It's a city, it's not a small town. 
I think being in Manchester, it Peter makes you feel. City. Wait, hold on, Peterborough City. Peterborough City. Yes. Just, just about. It just, <laughs> when, just when, you, when you're in Manchester, you're made to feel like, <laughs> oh, Peterborough is this village, which we'll is. We'll fact check it later. <laughs> <laughs> so, and there's a story I can remember from when I was younger, um, and I'll be in my car uh, with my dad, and I see like maybe a nice car drive by. It might be a Porsche, might be a nice BMW, and from from like a young age, I've been, I've been into my. Uh, cars enjoy that kind of automotive world uh, let's just say and a lot of the time i would used to ask like um peter is a small place so people know each other so i would like i point out the car to my dad i'm like dad dad look ferrari porsche and he would like <coughs> my dad would be like okay i actually know this person this 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 and what does he do as a job I guess what being a ho- like he's an accountant uh-huh. <laughs> so from a young age there was that kind of wow okay if i'm an accountant that's maybe how mm. I money, get to money. that love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically, maybe I can like in the future have a Porsche, have a nice car, mm. and maybe that's the route. Um, obviously, when you're younger, you're like that's what you're looking at. So, um, I explored that route. Um, majority of the time within like my studies, I'd say there was always like an inclination towards that business, finance, economic side, mm. and also that's like the subjects I studied at A level. I studied business, economics, and just like psychology, which just so you can manipulate people into giving <laughs> you more money. <laughs> you, got, yeah. you got to learn how the mind works yeah, and how we can how we can make <laughs> make the most money. Yeah. But um, yeah, so if you look at those combinations, like I guess subjects, economics and business, they're quite quite similar in like in the sense like they work hand in hand. Got, oh, obviously, economics you're looking at like more the business environment. And within business studies, you're looking at more the operations of the business. Mm. So I thought, okay, what's a, like, you come to that kind of like point in school where they're like, okay, you need to start thinking about careers. You need to start thinking about what courses you're going to be studying at uni. And I think the first thing that everyone starts, you're going to Google, you put in your three A-levels. I think it's on like which.com. I think it's which course shall I study or something like that. Mm-hmm. You put in your three courses and it'll give you like a list of like 99% match. Um, like it'll give you your matches for your degree obviously accounting was towards the top so okay and i was like okay let's explore this this like makes sense i know accounting is a like stable profession people make good money from it um now let me see if i'm a match for that um what's it called profession so then kind of like a few work experiences throughout sixth form um and kind of that was the trajectory i'd say that led me to accounting on a whole. Mm. You mentioned the Porsches and the Ferraris and them being accountants. Is that same mindset, is that the same mindset that you took into when you actually then firmly picked accountancy? Was mm. it still there? Because um, that was from a younger age. And when I say younger, probably maybe like around 10, mm. maybe like that young. I think the mindset shifted probably around sixth form when you get to that point where you actually need to like consider is this career for me is this option for me um and i think a lot of the time maybe people go into a university like choose a degree like based on like a bunch of different pressures maybe different other reasons might just research on like online and said okay yeah so i could have like seen that match and been like okay i'm not going to do any more research i'm not going to do any experience that's the course for me or it could be maybe like family pressure, like I don't know. They could be from a younger age, 
yeah, you need to be an accountant, which I don't think wasn't the case, but that, that can be. And I think like with with certain people, a lot of the time there's no actual room for kind of thinking about maybe other degrees because from like such a young age, just like you push, you're going to be a medic. <coughs> <laughs> Had to mention the medics. Yeah. Uh, maybe a, a lawyer, an engineer. So yeah, I think the mindset, mindset shifted around sixth form and I needed to actually like, okay, is this feasible for me? Like, yeah, the money is there and the money is also in a bunch of different careers. The money is like within law, um, engineering, the money's there, the Ferraris can be there, the Porsches can be there. But how does like my current situation and like the environment that I'm in, can I study accounting? Do my like subjects go to lean towards that way? And I think the main thing, do I fit maybe as an accountant in the future? Yeah. Money is one thing. And there's things that, you, like you said, that also have money. Mm. So then you had to consider other things, A, B, C, D, mm. E. What were those things specifically? So, number one, I think, like, what the role actually entails. So a lot of the time, again, you do your research and you get given a very brief kind of explanation. An accountant prepares financial statements. An accountant prepares budgeting. Basically, things that you actually, you need to see how they work. So, I think one, like, one of the things was, okay, I need to see what the role is and how it works. Okay. Another thing is, can I see myself in that role? I think, like, maybe when I was, like, in in the younger years, you're kind of just thinking about, yeah, the money. Um, but as you grow older, you realise, like, I need to somewhat enjoy this role. I need to, I might be working for, I don't know, let's say, from, like, the age of 22, once I graduate, to, let's say, current retirement age, I think, is 63. Mm. So... There's a significant number of your years that you could be working this role. So you need to like, okay, will I enjoy it? And at that point, let's say like the idea was, yeah, I'll, accounting is the route. Okay. So there's money, enjoyment. Do I fit into this role? Yeah. Do I know what this role is? Mm, yeah. Those are like the big four. Mm. I think I so. Think, I think that one of the big four that's not been mentioned is permission from Ami and Abu. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's all. Because that, <laughs> the thing is, that filtering already happened. Mm. <clears throat> like there's a there's a, a number of permissible degree programs you can study. Mm. right? And there's a number of impermissible p- degree programs. I'm and fine about. arts is definitely in the impermissible, second one. Impermissible, <laughs> right? It's like, it's, I'm about cultural permissibility here, mm-hmm. just so no one gets me wrong. <laughs> and so that's, filtering's already happened. Mm. And I think deep down in all of us, there is a child who wants to make mom and dad happy. Yeah, of course. Hundred percent. You know, there's yeah. a, that's such like, like, you know, I I remember like going to war with my parents over wanting to study physics. They're like, physics? We're gonna teach physics at university? Mm. You're gonna you become a physicist? Like, ha, mm. ha, Hisham Nobel Prize winner. <laughs> nice try. Okay, like, come on, man, be engin- be an engineer. Simple. <laughs> do do what everybody else is doing. Like. Which is what happened in the end. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, something even worse happened. I used to say to my father, I'm not gonna be that Indian IT guy. Mm. And then I went, studied physics, studied engineering. Studied Sharia, mm. and I'm I work in IT. So All the way back to my father has a, he has a nice laugh. He says, "Right, you said you want to come right round." But I think one of the I think some of the words that featured when Mustafa was initially talking about which degree he chose, the idea of stability, the idea of mm. it's a relied reliable, it's a well trodden path. People have gone there, they've done well, they've done X Y Z, and at 
I guess the you know a deeper question like at 18, 17, 16 when you make that decision, do you know yourself well enough to make that decision? If I give I a flat, like you know, yeah, I could give like, a I could give no, a flat no. Yeah, yeah. Um, but okay, let's like kind of explore that. Maybe at that age, it depends on your experiences. I think mm. how well you know yourself. So within that like process. What what what's kind of happened in your life that maybe you know yourself, maybe what your personality type is, mm. maybe mm. what you're good at, mm. what you're not good at. I think what you good what you're good at and what you're not good at is kind of I guess like you touch on that in school. Yeah, I'd pretty much say, but that's only from like a subject basis. That's not from maybe what what what's outside of that kind of realm of maths, science, English, history, geography, that kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, eighteen. Did I know myself? Like, did if I compare myself from when I was eighteen to now, I'm a totally different person. Mm. So again, I think the biggest thing is what experiences have you gone through, mm. and what can you learn from those experiences about yourself? You just have to take the best guess at the time. I think so. Have. Yeah, I think what I think what what you have to do there is you have to do the best kind of like research that you can do. Yeah. So don't maybe. Don't just look at that, that which um, was it called? Search of yeah, you got ninety eight percent match for accounting. That's it. That's it. That's that's your path. Let me ask you a more a difficult question with with permission. You've now done a placement year. Mm. I don't know if I'm jumping the gun here, right? Yeah, Did you're the host. <laughs> <laughs> Control it. <laughs> I'm the captain. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I'll hand back the reins shortly. Like you've done your placement year now. Mm. How Does it match up with what you thought that route, the route to the Porsche, that you had in your mind? How does it match up with what you thought finance would be like? Um, be honest, brutally honest. Brutally honest. Yeah. What was it like? What's so, like, so in terms of in terms of like that, like route, maybe what I considered from when I was younger, when I picked this kind of career path. There's elements of it which are are the same, and that will be your, you get your degree. Mm. You get that grad scheme. Mm. You go into that training program where you're going to do three years and you're going to get your ACA. Yep. That's that's remained the same. same. No, but your experience, what you, you know, expectation versus reality. What you thought would it be like working in finance, and what was it actually like working in finance? What you think? I think from when you're younger, what you think of working in finance is, you're, they're constantly like you're getting, you're speaking to clients. There's a lot of big money involved. There's it's kind of. Mm. Um, It's all like the the glamoury stuff. Yeah, let's just say all yeah. the gra- glamoury stuff. You're making the decisions for maybe your client. You're providing some advice. What I think you don't see when you're younger is maybe what that profession has out outside of just the actual work. So, like, going working in a like within finance, it's a let's say it's an, an environment that is not. It's not ideal for a Muslim. Mm. Let, let's say, how? That, why? That's what I felt like when I first when I first like went into work. So, going from a uni- like a bubble of like in university with like good like handle a good company, good Muslim brothers who your kind of your focus is on like salah, your focus is on maybe there's going to be mention of or like a reminder about Allah in maybe one of your gatherings. Instantly, that's flipped. 
that bubbles burst. You've gone into an environment where you're you're sitting next you're sitting on a like cluster of desks where people are talking about all sorts now mm. things that I don't want to mention but you can you know you can imagine, can imagine you yeah. can imagine what the conversations are like on a Monday morning after the weekend exactly mm. did this on the weekend it was this mm. and also like the like generally the environment like having so much like the company I worked for at times I felt like it was difficult for me to maybe like think about where where can I pray or maybe um okay, I need to do my wudu at this time. Do I need to go pray at this time? Mm. Will this room be available at this time? So it took those extra steps, mm-hmm. um, kind of like, to maybe practice my deen. And I think this isn't considered when when you're younger, and when you're making those decisions. You don't think of it as a lifestyle. It's not a, you don't realize it's a lifestyle choice. Yeah. For instance, consultancy is glamorized. I work mm. for the big four, mm, yeah. the big four, this, McKinsey. Um, <coughs> Five days a week in a hotel room, but like, yeah, how miserable is it to be in a hotel room for five days? Trust me, it's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And then it's, what is that, that after work culture that doing work? So people, there's a lot that's not considered. You don't realize you're making a lifestyle choice. When I ask students younger than me mm. in med school, I'm in year four now. Yeah. So I've so first two years you're purely just learning the theory of medicine from textbooks, lectures. You don't really get any placement. In third year, you start placement. Fourth year, you get more intense placement. And fifth year, you have even more intense yeah. placement. If I hear any... F- there there are 16-year-olds that not just say that they want to do medicine. They say, I want to be an orthopedic surgeon mm. or I want to be a neurosurgeon. And even... And of that just cringes me out because mm. it's like, how, how the hell do you know that you want to be a neurosurgeon? Mm. But even second-year med students, when they tell me, oh... I want to be a pediatric urology um, surgeon. In my head, I'm thinking, you have no idea. Just wait. Just wait, because <laughs> being interested, I think, in a particular field, I don't think is enough mm. to actually be content and enjoy working in that field. Mm. You might love, you might love the anatomy of, I don't know. You might love rheumatology, for example, yeah. but it's about, like you said, a lifestyle. And orthopedic surgery is a horrible it's lifestyle. A death style. It's a death style. <laughs> and you, so I, I, I think that until you've actually experienced placement, actually experienced working in a field, you can't actually comment on if it's really for you. And even during my placement, at the moment, I'm most interested in pediatric medicine. I did a placement on pediatric medicine, but I still don't, I really enjoyed it as well. I enjoyed it the most, but I still don't know if I'd be a fit p- for pediatric medicine mm. because my placement is from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Mm. There was a doctor that I was talking to. She had four night shifts in a row and was still working the daytime after those four nights. And I think it's a question of, if you did anything with that intensity, would you still love it? Mm. Mm. You know, I remember like being young and, and, and saying to someone much older than me, one of my father's friends that, you know, I'm interested in X field. And he said, everything is nice until you have quarterly goals and objectives and you have night shifts <coughs> and you have um, appraisals. Then all the niceness and the funness goes out the window. So this whole, it's a sham, you know, this idea that work, you know, work, be passionate and do mm. what you love and you know, all this kind of like hold hands and sing Kumbaya. And um, it's, 
there's a deeper question to be actually asked, right? So you're asked like, oh yeah, what do you want to do? What do you want to work as? So this whole identity of I'm an ex, I'm an engineer, I'm a doctor. So it's like you identify yourself with your work profession. But there's a deeper question, right? So what is your <coughs> what is your ultimate calling? What if it doesn't fit into a box? Mm. What is your ultimate calling? Like, could you go to sleep saying, yeah, being an engineer is my ultimate calling. Like on the day of my, on, when I die on my deathbed, I'm going to be so fulfilled about all the circuits I designed, right? <laughs> right now, all the mechanical bodies I, or, you know, all, all the legal papers I drafted. That's mm. gonna, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be so excited to show that to Allah. You know, oh Allah, look at this, what I have done. Mm. <laughs> right? So is that really your calling? And I think what happens is a lot of people go to university, they go to Islamic society, they go to charity, they go to other things, and they realize, actually, you know, there's something deeper here that's activating me that I want to do more of. So if I had a choice, my career would be Quran. If I had a choice, my career would be X or Y or Z. But then, then they fall into this dilemma of how do I integrate the two? It's like I have two different lives. Mm. I have the work life that pays the bill, and I have this, this stuff that really energizes me. Mm. It it brings me to life. But I, how do I? What do I? Where mm. do I? Because I, I think when you're figuring out what you want to study at university, mm. you're not thinking about work. You're not thinking about the lifestyle. You're not thinking about the rest of your life. So the top of your list is, do I enjoy it? Yeah. Mm. But I think the change, the flick, is when you start working. The top of your list becomes, what am I most content with? Mm. And what fulfills my purpose the most? And it's realizing that mm. what you might have thought is your life path now doesn't seem to fit as much because my priorities have changed. Yeah. I think the question of purpose is the deepest question that any human being can ever ask themselves. And it's deeper than, what am I good at? What should I do for a living? It's like, why do I live? Mm -hmm. Allah created everybody differently. And and the Prophet says, He says, act, do, like, you know, lift, you know, put up your sleeves and, and get to work because everyone will find easy what they were created for. Mm -hmm. Meaning everybody was created for something specific. <coughs> so yes, we all worship Allah. Allah created us to worship Him, but everybody's worship is different. Just as the praise of the, you know, Everything in the world is praising Allah. But the praise of the brick wall is different from the praise of the birds. You can hear the birds chirping in the morning, praising their creator. But you can't hear the wall. Mm. Everyone's worship of Allah is different and they're built differently. But for me, it's about going on that journey to unlock why did Allah create me. Mm. So imagine Bilal, Bilal ibn Rabah, mm. companion of the Prophet And he's an Ethiopian slave. He's a freed slave. Ups and downs, he fights at war, X, Y, Z. Finally, the Prophet ﷺ notices that he has a particular, he has a particular skill. He has the sweetest voice in Medina. So he appoints him. Why don't you make the call to prayer? And Bilal is like me. You know, I used to like milk the cows and clean the floor, and I fought in battle, and I've done this and that, and I've been in the heat, and you know, I've been a captive, and and I'm gonna call to prayer. I'm gonna my voice. I'm gonna stand on the Kaaba. I'm going to put my feet on the Kaaba. But that was his calling. But it was such a zigzag route to get there. You have Hassan ibn Thabit. He embraces Islam in his 60s. But he becomes the PR machine, mm. the speakerphone, the poet of the Prophet So when people write poetry, you know, insulting Islam, he sits there defending Islam through poetry. Mm -hmm. 
it's about there's a moment where you identify that you have some specific gift Allah gave you. And then the next question, how can I use this for Allah's sake? The Prophet notices Zayd ibn Thabit has a special skill in learning languages, polyglot. So he tells him, go learn Hebrew. Because I need someone to talk, someone as a messenger between me and the Jews. In 11 days, he learns Hebrew. There's, like, there's something like that in each one of us. right? Each one of us has a different gift. And uh, the, the environment of school and college doesn't give you that environment to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Because in order for you to figure that out, you have to be put in ambiguous environments. No one's going to tell you what to do, how to do it. You have to figure it out. And how you operate in those moments, you know, it's like you, you throw, you know those, you know, those, they have those seals where they, they throw like 20 people on an island, right? You know, the apprentice, right? You throw mm. 10 people on a challenge. Yeah. What happens? There's this ambiguity, right? There's no specific way to solve the problem. So... One person emerges as a leader, the other one emerges as good detail-oriented, another one emerges as a good team player, someone emerges as having empathy. Because when thrown into, natu- into like uh, ambiguity, your natural talents emerge, your natural gifts emerge. But there's not enough ambiguity at school, college. Everything mm. is prepared and perfect, everything is organized and structured such that there's nothing uncertain. Mm. So it's, perhaps that's why when you come to university, for instance, you're thrown into uncertain situations. Maybe Islamic society, maybe charity week, maybe some you know society leadership where it's ambigu- ambiguous. You don't know what you need to do. How, mm. it, how So then that's when your natural gifts come out. Mm. I'm a great communicator or I'm good at this. Once you figure that out, like when the Prophet ﷺ would notice this in a companion, the next step was, how can he use this for Allah? So it's like, Maybe you're great with numbers. Maybe that's how you get under accountancy. I'm great at maths. Mm. Right? I love maths. I'm good at numbers. How do I use that? In a, how do I serve Allah through this? Right. And and it could be small things like I'm going to open. I'm going to open like a, a mentorship scheme for Muslims who want to get into accounting. Or it could be that you do the accounts for your local masjid, who are looking for a voluntary accountant. You know. Or it could be that, you know, you have a passion for Quran. You have a passion for accounts. You know, what do I do? Okay. Um, I'm going to open a Quran Institute and I'm going to look after all the operations and the numbers and I'm going to hire I'm going to mm. pay Quran teachers a good wage something mm. that never happens right so, so it's like how can I use this for Allah and it's sometimes hard to look deep in the future and think where is this going to go but once you've unlocked I think the key thing is to unlock that thing what is that thing yeah. what is that superpower because you mentioned talking about a life as an engineer for example will you be proud of making those circuits and filling out those legal forms. And I think if you've done it in a way where your intention was to do it for Allah and it's benefited the world in some way for the sake of Allah, then you can show that to Allah and say, this is what I'm proud of. And there's an example um, on one of my first placements. I was really struggling to put in a cannula into a patient. It's for you know IV lines. Mm-hmm. and. I tried three or four times on my own and I could not do it. Uh, I still can't do it. <laughs> but there was a year five, fifth year student, senior to me, who was also on the same placement. And he's done loads and loads of cannulas. Um, and he was very experienced. And he said that, you know what, I'll, I'll teach you. So we go into a patient, uh, into the, kind of a patient's room that needed a cannula. And we've collected everything. We're about to do it. And the second he's before he's about to put the cannula in the skin, he goes, Bismillah. 
And he puts the cannula in, in the name of Allah. And I didn't say anything there because we were with the patient. But when we were walking out, I, I asked him, do you say Bismillah before everything that you do? Mm-hmm. And he says, I try and say Bismillah with every little thing that I do with any patient whenever mm-hmm. I'm in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is because if I can't do this for the sake of Allah, the thing that I've been training years and years to do for, and I'm going to be continuing to train and be a doctor for the rest of my life, I'm going to spend my most of my hours of my life doing this thing. And if I can't do that for the sake of Allah, mm-hmm. then what's the point of it all? I think this is mm-hmm. where it comes to like integrating rather than seeing them as two separate things. Mm-hmm. Is integrating the intention into what you do yeah. Because Like you said We're going to spend a lot of our lives doing these things And Somehow we ended up here Or we actively chose this path But we're here now Now you're here And you have two options Either you're a zombie on autopilot Just going about the motions And you don't see the need You don't see why you're doing it Or You You imbue what you're doing With that, that intention this is benefiting people in some way. This is, and I can see how it's benefiting people. And I'm going to do this for the sake of Allah. I'm going to do. I'm going to excel at it. I'm not just going to do it. I'm going to excel at it for the sake of Allah. Um, it's you know it's said that the the guilds there used to be guilds you know centuries ago you know Muslim blacksmiths Muslim uh, Muslim sailors and that every time the blacksmith would hit his hammer on the metal he would say la ilaha illallah. Mm-hmm. They had special adhkar routines while they were at work. Uh, and it is that idea of like, how can I connect what I'm doing to Allah? Mm. Okay, like I'm a poet, I'm a writer, I'm a journalist, I, I, I'm in the fine arts, I, I'm, in law, I'm in law. Like, How can I connect my day-to-day with Allah? And Bismillah is a nice way to force yourself to think about that. Yeah. Because you're literally saying, I'm asking for Allah's help with this thing. I want Allah's blessing in this thing. Mm. And... That's going to that forces us to connect what we're doing to Allah as opposed to making it something separate. And if all else fails, the intention of I want to earn a halal source of living to feed my family, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. Yeah. I think I think they're the challenges. So uh, let's <coughs> for an accountant. It's very di- I, f- I find it difficult to imagine how you can maybe link. Say I'm going into work, um, and I'm working for maybe one of the big four companies, and I'm maybe doing audit, let's say, mm. and I'm auditing maybe some sort of financial statements for like a like a, any sort of like company that you might just like let's say like maybe Amazon or just a standard company that okay doesn't really um, do specific Islamic things. Yeah, how do you like how do you maybe Integrate that intention into the work, mm. into the work you're doing there. Because I think for for the medics, I feel like it's easy it's and a lot more direct. Yeah, mm. you're lives. you're you're taking care of someone right there and then. Mm. You're maybe like pre- preserving life. You're saving someone's life. Mm. How can you do that in a field where it's not as direct as medicine? So somewhere like, again, what's accounting. the purpose of the audit? You're auditing X company's accounts. So what are you looking for? So pu- purpose of audit is to ensure that. Your financial statements are true, and there's no misstatements. So, so basically, you're making sure there's no there's no lie, no and lie. there's no errors, yep. and there's no missing money. Yeah. Um, you're preventing lying. Mm. You're preventing mistakes that lead to millions of pounds being wasted or lost or gone missing. Yeah. Misuse of funds, abuse of funds, 
um, if there was anything more directly. But the thing is, it's a lot more inspiring and feel good mm. to sit in front of a patient and look after them. There's a lot more human yeah, connection yeah. there. When you're staring at a sheet of numbers, you feel disconnected from mm. the impact. And that's the thing is, you feel disconnected from the impact. And that's why it's important to remind yourself, what is that end impact? Yeah. Uh, that end impact, I want to be of those on the day of judgment sent in front of Allah, Allah. I was of those people who stopped fraud, who prevented yeah. money being misused. You are the one who said, Eat and drink, but don't waste. I prevented people from wasting, mm. misusing, abusing of funds. I was there standing there with my red pen. Right, so I am in your service, yeah. Allah. You know, so it's that connection. If you can make that connection, it helps you wake up in the morning with mm. that bit more of zeal. Mm, yeah. And if you can't make that connection, the more detached you become, the more robotic, the more monotonous the workday becomes. Clock in, clock out, clock in, clock out. The more emptiness you feel inside. What am I even doing? Why am I here? You know, and and, and university students they have no idea that this is coming. Mm. But that can happen to anything in life. You know, you you get married. You have a family Being with your kids Is an act of worship But by the time A parent has first Second And I'm on Three now right? By the time A parent has a child Second child Maybe they're three four, Parents start to feel like Being around their kids Is a chore Where can we chuck the kids Where yes. can we throw them Madrasa Let's, let's get them to the Maulana Let's get rid of them mm. Because It's dealing with The tantrum And the demanding nature Of a child so, oh, Anything can become a chore Literally anything if it's not imbued with intention mm. Calling your mum Calling your yeah. dad It's like Oh I've called, I've called my parent No Oh mum's call oh, Sorry I have to go talk to my mm. but it's like, That's the person Who gave birth to you mm. <laughs> That is the greatest person In the sight of Allah After himself And his, his messengers mm. But if you Whenever we detach ourselves From our intentions We end up in the no man's land And mm. we end up becoming zombies Yeah I mean Mustafa, you said that medicine is very direct. Yeah. But let's say you didn't have that purpose, that intention. It, w it even medicine would become a chore. Of course. Uh, yeah. The 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 example that I gave with um, this year five that said Bismillah before mm -hmm. the, the cannulation, I was on the gastroenterology ward, which is dealing with livers and um, kind of <coughs> liver problems, liver failure. What's the number one reason for liver failure? Drinking. Drinking. So all the patients were alcoholics. Yo, you're John from down the road. <coughs> How are you, mate? <laughs> that is all the patients. Mm. And imagine you are a consultant on the gastroenterology ward. Hours, day in, day out, for years and years and years. Mm. And all you see is 90% of your patients mm. being alcoholics. Or imagine you're a GP and 90% of your patients have the common cold mm. and you're dispensing paracetamol. Mm. Like every job has its mundane bits. Everything becomes... A sheet of numbers Yeah After so many years Look at it for long enough mm -hmm. And I feel The thing that can connect work <coughs> To Allah That can connect your studies You're sitting in an anatomy lecture You're sitting in a sociology lecture Why am I here? How did I get here? The, the what, what energizes you to connect those things to your values Is your salah You got a 12 to 2pm lecture mm. At 1pm there's a 10 minute break You rush off to the stairwell Right, you find your qibla. Maybe you find your compass not working. You ask your friend, Alhamdulillah, which way? This way, and you say, Allahu Akbar. Right, Allah is the greatest. If He's the greatest, what am I doing for Him? How does this fit into the grand picture, the big picture? Mm. Salah is the stepping back. It's the zooming out. Mm -hmm. 
And if you're doing salah at work, at university, it allows you to zoom out and say, I am now putting my head on the floor in subservience, in worship, in servitude to Allah. How can I make the rest of my day between my salah mm. a subservience, a worship of Allah? Mm. And it's about connecting it, connecting the dots. Yeah. You have these dots, you know, and they look random, they look unconnected. But how can you connect them together? Mm-hmm. You know, somebody studying sociology, how can they use their understanding of the human environment, human society, you know, to serve Allah? Mm-hmm. You know, somebody who's doing social work. Helping children, somebody who's you know disconnected, like you said, physicist looking at atoms, you know, through a microscope. How can they? They are studying the creation of Allah. Mm-hmm. All of us, to one extent or another, can convert the intention for our studies. We got there, you know. Some of the earliest Muslim scholars used to say, "Talabna al-ilm We started seeking knowledge, studying Islam, for other reasons, not for Allah's sake. But once we got there and started learning It refused to be done for other than Allah hmm. We were converted <laughs> And that is, that's, that's it It's When you stare, you're staring at an anatomy picture of the lungs You can be bored out of your wits Or you can admire the creation of Allah yeah. you know, You're staring at, staring at a financial statement You can be bored out of your wits Or you can think how can I use this To eliminate corruption hmm. To eliminate bribery and money laundering And it's about that if you're able to make that jump, that makes the difference between being a mediocre Muslim stuck as a zombie on autopilot mm-hmm. and somebody who's so energized and activated. People look at the man, they say, wow, mm-hmm. this Muslim is on another level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned on, on a final note before we end things off, you mentioned the importance of Salah as a zooming out. Mm-hmm. I think maybe one of those reasons that it is so good at zooming you out and making you see the bigger picture is because no matter if you're an accountant, a medic or an IT, um, you're all following that same structure of salah throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And one thing that was quite inspiring was we have a like like a prayer room, not a mosque, but like a prayer room. You can call it a mosque inside the hospital. And during like prayer time, you go in, and there's doctors, consultants, nurse, n- nurses. You've got physiotherapists and caretakers everyone in the hospital praying and oftentimes it'll be the caretaker leading everyone in the mosque and it makes you realize that we're all on different paths mm-hmm. we're all got different careers we're all serving Allah in different ways yeah. but at the end of the day when you come together for salah you're all serving Allah in the same way you're all turned to the same direction mm-hmm. your compass is pointing in the same direction you're walking the same path just taking different routes but we'll all land there together inna lillahi we come from allah wa inna ilayhi raji'un and we all in return to him mm-hmm. and i think with that jazakallah khair everyone for tuning in and staying till the end of the podcast any final words from our guest mushtaba um jazakallah khair for having me on the mm-hmm. on the podcast um it was a pleasure and inshallah there's going to be many more episodes to come. Peterborough is not a city, man. <laughs> <laughs> fact check. Inshallah, we'll fact check later. Mm. Inshallah. With that, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.